0: My sermon this morning is taken from all over the Bible and I guess I would ask you to turn to our fighter verse passage, Galatians 6, 9, and 10. I want to say hi to those that are following us on live stream, both on the livestream.com or YouTube channel, and so if you're from Faith Church and watching we miss you and pray for you, and I hope you're doing well and look forward to seeing you as God allows. And if you're watching on maybe a YouTube video after the fact, because these get converted and put in, into a video, I pray that God will use this video recording to, to be a blessing to you, to minister to your heart. Let us not grow weary of doing good. Paul tells the Galatians. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. I want you to think, as believers right now, I want you to think about doing good. What does doing good look like for a believing people? Believing people that hear Jesus say to them, Come to me and I will give you rest. Now abide in me and I will make you fruitful. What does living lives faithfully as ransom and rescued people look like? What does doing good and fruit bearing look like? As I said the last says to us, and I want you to hear what Jesus says to us in regards to our mission individually and as a church in something called the gospel, sharing the gospel. There's, there's a lot of passages. I'm going to just I'm gonna read them to you. Matthew 4, 18 through 20. While Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, that's Peter, and Andrew, casting net in the sea. And I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. When Jesus was praying on the the night before he was crucified, he said to the Father, As you have sent me, so have I sent them into the world. You've sent me, Father, and now I'm sending disciples, the church. God's people into the world on mission. Matthew 28, as he's ascending into heaven, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded, and I am with you always. They're waiting for Jesus to fulfill what he said he was going to do. They're waiting, and in Acts 1.8, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you, when the Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And we saw in First Peter chapter 2, our identity. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God. So that you might proclaim. The excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. This morning, I want to encourage you to be evangelists. I want to call you to the ministry of evangelism. Yes, all of you, not just those that aspire to be missionaries or pastors, or special leaders in a church, I'm calling all you, if you have been called by His name and saved, to be sharers of the good news, witnesses. I'm calling you to personal, it's called personal evangelism, sharing the gospel. Who shared the gospel with you if you're saved? Was it your mom? Was it your dad? Was it your pastor? Was it a Sunday school teacher? Was it your neighbor? Was it your coworker? Was it a friend? Another family member? Was it on the radio? Was it on TV? Was it at a camp? Was it in a VBS? Evangelism? I'm going to define it this way. Sharing the gospel with someone in hope that they will repent and believe... Repent of their sins and believe in Christ for salvation. We need to know the gospel. Oh, brothers and sisters, faith church, let us be students of the gospel. Let us not think we just got it. Let's just, let's seek to know it better and be able to share it more clearly and in different ways, depending on who we're with. But I want, here's one way of saying it. And I want, I'm going to say it with, this is not, as an academic exercise. Here, so you can know it in your head. I, I have prayed at this point that when I share this, you will worship. You will. Your hearts will go, yes, thank you. Or, yes, I now believe. Because I, I think there's any gathering, there's people in this room that are not yet believers. And God, the the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. The gospel is the good news that the God who made the world and will hold the world fully accountable someday sent His sinless Son, Jesus Christ, who is fully God and fully man to enter into our world, a world of sin and suffering, Our sin is so bad, horror that it brings. Yet God displayed His perfect compassion, holiness, wisdom, love, mercy, and justice by giving His Son as the payment for sinful people, for us, and for the restoration of our relationship between God and man. God gave Jesus to the world so that Jesus would die on the cross and rise from the dead three days later to overcome sin for sinners. Jesus went back to the Father and gives forgiveness and reconciliation with God and an unfathomable future for all who repent of their sins and believe in the good news. Jesus will someday return and he will judge all unforgiven sinners including those who reject this message. But he gives his spirit, the Holy Spirit to people, to us who have been saved so that we would live new lives and with a new purpose for the rest of our lives on earth. Now that is the good news. Do you know the good news? Can you share the good news? And do you, Share the good news. Have you received the good news? The cost, because the repentance of your sins and turning to Jesus will cost you everything. And it is urgent. Don't wait. And it's worth it. It's, it is glorious. I want, I, want, I want to exhort you this morning. I want to encourage you this morning by asking you something that might sound discouraging at first. Are you lousy evangelists? I am far too often. What I mean by lousy evangelists is someone who doesn't regularly share the gospel. I, I've I'm a pastor, and though I pray, and I, I pray to grow, and I ask that you would pray and hold me accountable and challenge me to every Sunday, share the gospel as it's in the text of Scripture, applying God's truth to believers and unbelievers. I want to share the gospel as a, an evangelist preacher, preaching the good news, whatever, whatever Scripture I'm preaching. So that's one way, but I feel like I'm a lousy evangelist In my life, I can look back and see times where, especially in Minnesota, when I lived in Minnesota, Forest Lake, Minnesota, I lived for so many years with neighbors that I got to know, and they knew I was a pastor, but maybe either out of some timidness or I waited too long, and then it was kind of embarrassing to bring it up, and I knew that they called themselves a Christian, I delayed and did not do a good job of sharing the good news with them. There's been many times where I've got on a plane, and I... I'm thinking, I hope they put their headphones in so that I, I can get out of this opportunity of having some engagement and possibly a spiritual conversation and even sharing the gospel, because I was tired, I was lazy, and my, my heart was not where it needed to be. I can be so internally focused on what I wanna do that I run past the opportunities of sharing the gospel. I can too, be too busy for my neighbors. Are you a lousy evangelist? There's a lot of reasons why we can be that way. Often it's because we fear what people think about us more than we fear their spiritual destination. We often become, we are love, in love of our comfort and we don't want to move outside of our comfort zone or, or because of just our busyness of life, our lack of priority on spirit, for the spiritual needs of others. Often it's because we don't actually care. Apathy. We, we don't care for souls like we ought to. Maybe it's because we don't think it's our spiritual gift. Maybe we're because we're introverted or shy. We have a hard time talking about these things. One of the most common things is we do not know what to say. We don't want to make it worse for them because we're going to say the wrong thing. And I, I hope that we will in this coming year, this summer going forward, help help you, train you, equip you to better share the good news with others, but I want to challenge you, not by this morning guilt-tripping you and saying, "You don't you know they're going to hell? They are if they don't receive Christ. And don't you know life is short? It is. And don't you know you're supposed to be a messenger? You are. We could, I could hit you with the stick of guilt, and there, are, there is a place for rebuke in our lives, to be challenged. But this morning, I want to encourage you with God's truth. It was about a year ago, I was teaching on a Wednesday night through a series of how to grow. And we went, we came over, we spent a few weeks on evangelism. And while we were doing that, I came across a talk called Hope for, how, for Lousy Evangelists. I loved it. I put it into some notes and I taught it on a Wednesday night. And, and so as I was coming to this, I wanted to give us a message on Jesus says, go for me. And Jesus tells us to go make disciples. And part of that is sharing the gospel. And so I, I want to share with you that part of that talk from about a year ago and from this little booklet that I have here. I have a few to give out if you come to me afterwards and say, hey, I, I just think this would be helpful for me. I feel convicted. I want to be challenged. I want to give you this book. Um, what if I'm discouraged in my evangelism? It's by a pastor in Washington, D.C. His name is Isaac Adams. These nine points I'm gonna share with you real quickly, encouragements. I hope one or two will just hit your heart in a new way. They're not from me. They're really good and I'm not bragging because they're from him. And if I say them am wrong, that's my fault. But I do believe God can and I trust will encourage your heart. I want to encourage you. I want to build you up. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, encourage one another, build one another up. Hebrews tells us to consider how to stir one another up to love and to good works. As is opportunity, do good to one another. My burden this morning as your pastor is to stir you up with God's truth and encouragement to be more faithful Evangelists, We're talking about young people before you're even a teenager, teenagers, young families, older families, seniors, no matter what station of life you're in, God has called you to be a witness for Jesus Christ, it's for lousy evangelists. Nine things about God, nine things about God's truth, here they are, number one, oh, before we go over there, right here, you should have in your, in your chairs in front of you, almost every other seat, there's, there's, a, there's a card here and it has the nine points. I figured we don't have bulletins yet. You might not have brought your notes to take notes. And nine points is a lot to just sit there and remember them all. Um, so here you go. Here are, the, here are the nine points. Number one, be encouraged. Lousy evangelist, looking at myself in the mirror, be encouraged. God counts us righteous because of Jesus. Be encouraged. I, I want you, God wants you to grow this summer, this year, in being a true, faithful evangelist, someone who seeks opportunities, prays for them, and when God gives them, seeks to take steps to share the gospel. God wants to grow you. And number one is because take hope, take heart. God counts you righteous because of Jesus. You are loved. If you're a Christian, you are loved and made God's children not based on being a really good evangelist in Jesus Christ. The God, that is the very heart of the gospel. You received it freely by God's grace. And oh, I pray that we, as, we would be happy, joyful, liberated, not legalist evangelists. The worst thing we need to do is go out there and out of guilt and of shame, go and share the good news or else because we're scared of God not being uh, in favor of us in some type of way. We are loved and counted righteous by Jesus because we repented of our sins and we called on the name of the Lord in faith and he has applied Jesus's righteousness on us and has taken away our sins. You... I want us to start to say, you do not have to be a good evangelist to be saved and for God to love you and for God to delight in you. Our security in Christ leads us, though, to love and not to laziness spiritually. Our our assurance that He loves us. And I hope you would, I hope that we'll be motivated first and foremost is. He loved me and he gave himself for me. And because of that, I don't have to be an evangelist. I want to be. I've been called to. Why would I not do that? He has loved me. And why I am to run away from selfish pursuits and to, I want others to have what he has given to me. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, for our sake, Jesus, God made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of Christ because he became sin. That's one form of the gospel. 2 Corinthians 5.21, it's a summary of the gospel. Number one, God counts us righteous because of Jesus. Number two, God counts blesses us with children be encouraged faith church god blesses us with children what i mean by that is did you know that there are approximately 100 kids in our church with and i say kids broadly sorry teenagers i'm calling you kids if you're still in the home if you haven't graduated from high school from you all the way down to infant there's about 100 kids in the membership or attendance of faith church And I say that to say God has blessed us, church, with those young people, and they are ripe for our evangelism. Children are people in the church that God has given to us to share the gospel with now, always, and often. I love when Paul writes to Timothy and he says, I am reminded, Timothy, of your sincere faith, 2 Timothy 1, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, gracious, godly grandma, be a godly grandma if you're in here and a grandma, and your mother, Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. Intergenerational faithfulness being carried on. And he writes later on in, Chapter 3. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and firmly believed, knowing from where you learned it. You learned it from home. You learned it as a child. You are acquainted with the scriptures, which is able to make you wise unto salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Children, young people, hear the gospel. It's for you. I hope you will receive it if you haven't. And if you have, and many of you have already received it, keep following the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Parents, we are called to this. You might say, but I'm not parents. I'm not a parent. It's okay. You got a church. You have a family. You are spiritual parents in many ways. You're uncles or aunts to these young people. God has given them in your life to pray for them, to care for them, to serve them. Teachers that teach and will teach in in, in the second hour. I pray that God will use Pastor Mike and God will use Jeremy and others, that are Jason, others that are teaching, those in the nursery. I'm reminded of this. I was reminded of this last summer. We had different neighborhood VBSs, and we were at the Bukowski's, our family, and each night for, I think, three nights, we had just different activities and then a message, and I think it was the second to last. It might have been the last night. Uh, I think Molly just said, would you, would you share and give the gospel clearly? And I did, and, and a couple hours later, I got a phone call from a dad, Jason, and he said, I just want to tell you something. I was tucking Juliana in, and Jesus saved and used your, the message of the gospel that she had heard many times before, and it just, God convicted her in a new way, and she's new in Christ. God, God has given us, these our children, What a privilege. May we love them faithfully. Let let us not let our lives contradict the beauty of this gospel, but let us in word and in action bless our children. Be encouraged. God's given us children to, to bring the gospel to. Parents, your primary task in parenting is the evangelism and discipleship of your children. May we do that. Encouragement number three, God rules over salvation. God rules over salvation. I wanna encourage you to be an evangelist because God's in charge. God rules even over your salvation. I am saved today, made profession of my faith probably when I was about eight and when I was 12. Um, I struggled with it for a while, but when I look at my life, I see that I'm saved by the grace of God and only by the grace of God. God came into my life. God used my parents and he gave me my parents And God is in control of salvation. You cannot save anyone. God saves not you or me or any evangelist. We need to remember that. And I want this to be an encouragement. God can save running and wayward children. Maybe you're here and feeling, I'm reminded of a son or a daughter or a parent or someone else that is just wayward, is turned from the Lord whether they made a profession of faith before or not. God is sovereign over salvation. Don't stop loving them. Stop seeking to graciously and wisely share the good news with them. God is sovereign over it. He, he cares and He loves and he will, he will work. There are no unlikely converts. We can't say loves to save all kinds of people. There is no sinner out there that is too bad for God to delight in saving and showing his power. God is in control. I want want to point to you Acts chapter 18, 8 through 11. In Acts 18, Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord. He was a Jew, he believed in the Lord, and together with his entire household, they became Christians. And it says that many of the Corinthians hearing Paul believed and they were baptized too. So this revival is taking place. And in verse nine, and the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent. Look at verse 10 of chapter 18 of Acts. For I am with you and no one will attack or harm you for I have many in this city who are my people. What he is saying is, I, I have more here. I'm going to save. Stay here. Don't be afraid. Keep being faithful. I'm not done saving people here. Do you think God's done saving people in Linden, in Swartz Creek, in Fenton, and Holly, and Grand Blanc, and Howell, or wherever you are, in Flint? He is not done. We can all, I think, hear the message. I have more people here. Bring them in. By by bringing the gospel to them. Just be faithful. You are the mail deliverer. God does the work. He's the sovereign worker. You deliver the mail. And they might get mad at you. But God is good. Which leads us to the next one. Encouragement number four. God vindicates his justice. God vindicates his justice. We need to remember as we go and share the good news. And we will... If we are faithful long enough, we will be mocked, ridiculed, persecuted, misunderstood, rejected, disliked, because we care to share the good news. Now, let's not try to do it on purpose. Let's not try to be annoying. That should never be that case. But as we're faithful, there is going to be persecution to some degree. And we find in the New Testament, in Acts 5, As they shared the name of Jesus, they beat him, beat them. And they charged them not to speak the name of Jesus. And then they let them go, Acts 540. And they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy of suffering dishonor for his name. They knew that God would vindicate his justice. Like he says in 2 Thessalonians 1, that to the church in verses 4 through 8, you're going to be persecuted, but your persecutions and afflictions that you're enduring is evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for your suffering, since God indeed considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you. Someday, God is going to take all things into account. You will face frustrating encounters. We will be discouraged. There are things to fear at a human level. But God wants us to be encouraged to say, I'm going to... I'm going to take all things into account. I'm in charge. Just trust me. So rejoice. Rejoice if you're misunderstood. The, the point that I want to say here is we are to deliver the message of God's good news. We let him settle the counts. That doesn't, being a faithful evangelist doesn't mean that we get 10 out of 10. We shared with 10 people, they all got saved. Therefore, I'm in a faith. No, we share and we let God do the work, we might be just planting seed after seed and someone else down the road is going to harvest that seed through God's grace. God vindicates his justice. Number five, God gives second chances. Friends, God gives second chances. Do you need second chances as an evangelist? Can you think of the the best example in the Bible for a second chance person? I heard John say, Jonah, Jonah. I mean, literally, second chances. Uh, so look at Jonah 1. The, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up against me. Well, we know what happens. He goes the other way, he gets thrown into the ocean, he get or he gets thrown into the water, a whale swallows him, and then he gets he repents, he, he spit, is spit up on land. Chapter 3, Jonah, chapter 3. The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. There's a second chance, clearly, right there. And he goes reluctantly and he obeys. If ever there was a lousy evangelist, it was Jonah. Is there someone in your life that you would sit here with some regrets and say, I I wish I had a second chance? Sometimes we don't have that second chance. Sometimes we find ourselves saying, that was was the only time and now they're gone. God is gracious and merciful. He wants us to learn from that experience, but he also is probably has given you others in your life right now that God is going to give you a second chance. Would you pray for that? God meets us where we are, not where we ought to be because he's a God of mercy and grace. As we come to him in repentance, be encouraged. It is God's nature to graciously, mercifully give us second chances. And so it, it might be a friend or a co-worker or schoolmate, somebody that's on, that you connect with on a regular basis that you've done a lousy job witnessing. Repent. Ask God to forgive you. Ask God to help you. And take hope that God gives second chances. Number six, God delights in weaklings. Be encouraged. God loves to use wimps like you and me, for, amazingly. We are all weaklings to some degree, definitely compared to God. Jonah, of all people, was a weak, weakling. Jonah began to go to a city, going to a day's journey, and he called out. And here's Jonah's gospel message, or, or I should say it wasn't good news. He just went there, and he, this is his message. Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That's all. Like that's a real that's a real witness. That's a weak proclamation. And it says that Nineveh believed God. There was like a citywide revival with one sentence. So glad he uses weakness, weak weaklings. He used Moses when Moses said, "I did, I can't talk," and he, God says, "So," and he he's okay. So I'll bring Aaron your brother. Israel, he used the old liar Jacob, tricky Jacob, named Israel eventually. When he he needed to defeat the Midianites, he'd take the the smallest of the tribe, Gideon. Let's, Let's take Gideon. Let's use him. Oh, he's got way too many people, even though he's already outnumbered. Let's trim him down to 300 because I want no one else to boast but in the Lord's power. God uses weaklings like us, it would be just like God to save a lot of people in this region through weak people like you and me. Through feeble, mumbling, dis- easily discouraged, weak, but growing people that have been called by His name because it is God is in the business of glorifying His name and bringing us into that glory and letting us just revel in it and using us. Paul said, I got a thorn in the flesh and it's to keep me humble. And I've, I've asked that God would remove it over and over again. But God finally said, my grace is going to be sufficient for me. So your, my strength is through your weakness. So, okay, I've changed my whole attitude. I rejoice in my weakness God uses weak people. I'm thankful that God uses weak people. Be encouraged. You can, God can use you. Timid you, God intends to you. He gives courage to the faint. He draws straight with crooked lines. And he can use us. Verse seven, God hears our prayers. Be encouraged by this. God hears our Prayers. We find in the, in the Bible, in Ephesians 6, 18 through 20, that we're not going to spend time there. And in Colossians 4, 2 through 4, we find Paul telling the church, he says, pray for me. Pray for me that I'd be clear and that there would be power and I would have boldness when I preach the gospel. We pray to God for each other and for God to save people. Do you ask God to help you as an evangelist? Will you? Will you start doing that? Will you start asking God, God, help me change my heart. Give me opportunities. Help me to, if, if I, need, some of us, it's going to be, I need to learn how to do this better. I need to get tools. I need a mentor in my life to help me. Please reach out. Don't just say, I need that and don't do anything. But let us pray and ask God and pray for people. God, I, I, I know that person, that friend, she needs Jesus. And I need, I I can't go my life without telling her about the hope of Jesus, what he's done for me. Lousy evangelists are prayerless evangelists or no evangelists. Think of someone you can share the good news with. Would you think of two or three names near or far, but especially some that you can have an ongoing relationship with close enough that you will start praying for? Also praying, God, is. would you open opportunities? For some, you might have limited opportunities right now, but as you pray for them and you seek them, God will give you opportunities. So pray, God hears our prayers, be encouraged. Number eight, God helps us with the local church. God helps us with the local church. Do you know that God intends to work through us? In 1 Corinthians 3, 6, Paul In talking to a very bragging church, puffed up church, they were proud, they were trying to take credit, or Paul said, I planted and Apollos, another guy, he watered, talking about the spiritual fruit, but God gave the growth. You see, together, God calls us to evangelism. He doesn't call just you individually, he calls you to be part of a church, and And that means a church where you know if you bring somebody to church, they're going to hear the gospel. Or or a church where you have friends that if you bring them into that sphere of friendships, they're going to share the gospel. And you're going to know that, say, someone else in this church just has a... Together, we are called as a local church. And I pray that God would give us a culture of evangelism in this church. I believe that doing good for one another as we have opportunity. I believe that fruit bearing as a Christian, obedience would mean that faith church would truly become a culture of joyful gospel sharing people. Not just a few leaders, not just a few specially gifted people, but all of us. We are called to a type of swarm evangelism of bringing others into our lives or it's a team sport. Knowing that, Evangelism, the, the change in somebody's life is, yes, and it's an event. We are converted at a certain point in our lives. But often it's a process of which God brings different people and different seeds planted and different touches. Would you pray for yourself and would you pray for each other in this room and would, that we would together. God gives us the local church. You're not alone. One more. Nine. God rejoices in heaven. God rejoices in heaven. You want to do something that, is, that should just stir us up to hope in God in a deeper way? Is to, we're, We are setting out on a mission of sharing the good news with somebody that God already says He delights when people are saved. Luke 15 is the, the chapter with the prodigal son, and he gives this story. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one, does not leave the 99 and go to an open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying to them, rejoice with me. For I have found my sheep that has been lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Be encouraged. God rejoices in heaven. He intends to find the lost sheep and he intends to use weaklings like us, second chances, his sovereign power as we pray to him working together as a local church. If you are here this morning and you have not responded to the gospel by repenting of your sins, receiving his free gift of salvation and believing in him. I invite you to him today. He is gentle and lowly and he will receive you. He died on the cross for you. Oh, if you have not received that message, please receive that. And then as you receive that, you're going to want to follow him and be baptized as a sign that you confess him publicly, that he is your Savior and your Lord, and that you you trust him now. I'm going to invite the worship team to come as we pray. God,